You're listening to Bitcoin, blockchain, and the technologies of our future with Naomi Brockwell. So, uh, so this is this is Abigail, but she is not the subject of my next interview because I, I don't think that we have. A, she should be. She should be, but she's not. I no. Instead, I have prolific libertarian thinker Pete Raymond here, and it's wonderful to have you here, L- Abigail. I'll put you down now. Um, Pete Raymond's here. Thank you so much for chatting with me amongst amongst all of this uh, circus that's going on. How are you doing, Naomi? It's so great to finally meet you. (laughs) It's great to meet you in person. Uh, So I'm a big fan of yours, a big fan of uh, all of the work that you've put out. And you are always talking about, you know, grander ideas, uh, especially in libertarian thought. And one thing that I wanted to chat with you today was something like practical that we could use like in our everyday lives to make ourselves more free. Earlier you did a talk. It was earlier or you've still got it yesterday. Uh, So we are at the Liberty forum here in Manchester so earlier at the Liberty Forum you did a talk about uh, police involvement in your everyday lives and how you can actually have less involvement from the police have more like uh, private companies for example coming in and taking over responsibilities so I wanted to look at more practical solutions for how people can make their lives more free oh yeah I mean and that's exactly what this whole the theme of the conference is is actionable alternatives it- like petition and voting and stuff that you're going to actually get up and do. And, uh, you know, we talked about uh, Detroit threat management, how an entrepreneur can go out there and, you know, make a fortune for themselves, providing protection for wealthy people, increasing their net worth. And uh, also how you can take action in your own community, like many of the uh, showroom uh, Jewish communities have done with their uh, community watch groups in New York City. And, you know, just if I trust somebody that I know, my next door neighbor, even if I don't like really like him, maybe he's a little too maybe he's a little too loud. I trust him more than I trust somebody who doesn't know me that has a badge and a gun and, you know, is being paid no matter what. And who has authority that oftentimes we find uh, doesn't actually have any accountability. You know, we find more and more as we look into corruption in police forces, how little accountability there is when there's wrongdoing. Um, and I especially, like, when you look at what happens in Las Vegas, I watched a movie uh, last year, I think it, it won Anthem Film Festival, called What Happened in Vegas. And it was a film just about the deep corruption that, that was happening there in the workforce. And it is just surprising how a lot of people in power who do have this monopoly on power um, there's just very little accountability for them. So you provide solutions for how to mitigate that and how to provide uh, better solutions for individuals who may want, may want the safety that these organizations purport to provide but uh, want a better alternative than we currently have. Well, yeah, I mean, I think in one of the first things that you can do to keep police out of your life is you have to secure your dwelling. You have to make yourself as safe as possible. You never want to have to call them. You never want to have to get them involved. Um, I do everything. I, I very rarely speed. I very when I drive. I, I just don't want to draw their attention, and I don't see them as a help. The courts have de- deemed they're not a help. They're not here to protect us. Um, I think it's all about us. And if you have like-minded people, like here I am in the Free State Project in New Hampshire, and you know the. The kind of community group I was talking about, I'm sure, could be like keen. They could have that something like that built overnight, and uh, you know, it would the, the police would 
they probably hated it first, like they did in New York, but then in, then you can, as long as you show that you're staying within their boundaries, and of course we'd be a lot better than them because we actually believe in the non-aggression principle. Um, so walk me through what they have set up in New York. Well, what they did was they, these Jewish communities came together and basically decided that they didn't want outside interference, that they didn't feel like these people had any legitimate authority over them. So they came together and they have these patrols that go out and they're not getting paid and they look for crime. You know, and granted, whenever that happens, you're going to have some problems. You may have some people that even though you've done a background check on them, they're going to be, you know, they may be get violent with somebody. But there's more accountability to someone like that in the community. The community will hold someone a lot more accountable than some bureaucrat that can get away with it and, you know, can you know, up to killing somebody and then get a paid vacation and then get let off. I mean, we've seen video footage of police executing people and then they only have to utter phrases like, I feared for my life. And they walk and it's... It's heartbreaking. I can't even watch those videos anymore because they, they make me angry to the point of tears. It's funny because I talk to a lot of people um, about overriding philosophy of anarchy, for example, and we'll have like a lot of reading groups that discuss texts by like Michael Humer, people like that, Rothbard, talking about like practical ways that we already kind of have anarchy in our lives. And that's one of the examples that's brought up, this idea of competing governments. And, um, and everyone says, well, if, you know, if it was anarchy, you'd have all these different governments that would be competing, that would be terrible. That, that is what we have right now. Uh, not just just across the whole globe where you have different countries where it really is kind of this power balance that they're kind of um, just trying to try to find but also within communities for example New York where you have these Hasidic communities that have their own power structures that we would say are in conflict with New York power structures New York police force but it, it works yeah the um, the whole idea that you invite somebody into your neighborhood you give them rights that you don't have you don't if you don't have the right you can't give it away and then you pay them for money that you get stolen from you and then if you refuse to pay those same people that you're pay that you're stealing the money to pay come to get you it's it's mind-boggling i said that if somebody came out of the jungle and you know they lived in a very primitive tribe and even if they were a savage if you explained exactly how we run things they would think that we're probably insane you guys are crazy. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and so I just, I'm looking for ways, you know, and there's the whole thing about, oh, if there were no police, if there was no government, warlords would take over. And my answer to that is always, well, at least we'd know there were warlords. Right. Because it, you could say, oh, that person's a warlord. But, you know, even the warlord's not going to come around every day. You know, they're, you're not gonna, they're not going to be in your face every day. You know, I, I literally would rather sometimes live under a local warlord than I would what we live under now. I mean, and, and, and here's the question you ask people. If when a cop pulls up behind you when you're driving, do you feel paranoid or do you feel safe? I mean, and if you say, well, I feel safe, I don't know. I don't know how to break through that cognitive dissonance yet. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question to ask people. That was actually my turning point from sort of being a minarchist to becoming an anarchist. Um, 
uh, was when someone mentioned to me, like I always had this idea, well, oh, you get into anarchy and there's no rule of law and you get all of these like awful warlords who would just pop up and control everything. And someone had to point out to me and say like, Naomi, how is that different from today? Uh, only right now it's on a mega scale. The amount of money that the US government can leverage through tax dollars and the amount of atrocities that they can perpetrate with that money, the wars that they take people to, the number of people that they kill. I mean, I would rather a small scale warlord. You know, they do a, a lot less damage than governments around the world are doing right now. And when I sort of had to put that in, in perspective, look up some figures and actually say, wow, you know, there's tremendous amounts of death and destruction happening right now. Why am I pretending that this is okay? Why am I pretending that I'd be happier with this situation? Why would I be happier with the current status quo? And uh, it's kind of mind boggling that a lot of people are. I think about a documentary that I saw back in the 90s, and it was about, it was at the time New York was getting cleaned up and, you know, basically a lot of old neighborhoods that you didn't go into now where you couldn't afford to live there. And I thought about Alphabet City, and I remember seeing this documentary, and Alphabet City at the time was basically run by the Hells Angels, and they were interviewing old people that lived in the neighborhood, who had lived in the neighborhood their whole lives, and this one, and person after person said, if we have problems here, we do not go to the cops, we go to the angels. And it's the same thing in old mafia neighborhoods in New York. They wouldn't go to the cops, they'd go to the, they'd go to the, the Don, they'd go to the mob boss. They may owe them something, but I would rather, you know, like in The Godfather, I would rather be an undertaker and owe The Godfather trying to put his son back together after being shot 70 times. That one favor than money stolen from me every week. I mean, it's just, I, I, I'm sorry, maybe, maybe there's something wrong with me. But the fact that if I don't give up, I made a contract with a company to work for them and they're going to give me, they're going to give me a certain amount of money. We're the only two parties to that contract. But then this foreign entity comes in and says, no, actually, we're going to take a percentage of that. Your contract is invalid. It, it, it's, doesn't make any sense to me and it's infuriating it's infuriating to me Absolutely, I completely agree so how can like on a day-to-day -day basis I mean other than just obeying the laws that someone has sort of pushed onto us um, uh, and just making sure you don't speed and don't do anything wrong don't draw attention to ourselves make yourself a safe uh, house as safe as possible apart from those things what are like some other things that people can be doing or is it just very difficult to get the state out of your life it's it's really difficult now I mean I I like to think that I have a lot of answers and I have ideas about what should be done. I don't know how practical all of them are. Um, there, there are a lot of different anarchists and libertarians. Like Certain libertarians want to totally work within the framework of the law. They don't want to draw any attention to themselves. There are other libertarians, anarchists, who want to push the edge. And I'm more in the push the edge kind of thing, but I don't want to be responsible for telling other people to push the edge and then have them do it and something happens to them you know I mean it's just that's a life choice that someone has to make for themselves it's a big decision because once you start that fight that's probably the only fight you're going to be focused on your entire life you know that's a life commitment right there I've done a lot of podcasts talking about guns and um, I always talk about how you have to get guns and keep them and learn how to use them but if at all possible, like in Georgia where I live, you can buy, I can, we can meet up on the street and I can sell you a gun. No paperwork, government doesn't have to be involved. It's perfectly legal within their framework. 
There are some states you can't even own a gun. There are some states where that would be illegal. And I always do these podcasts where I say, get yourself a gun and try to make sure the government doesn't know about it. But I'm not advocating breaking the law, but you can do, but you have to make decisions. You know, I mean, there's, um, I know, I grew up in New York City. I grew up in the Bronx. Uh, most, most of my friends from high school were in Queens. And it's illegal to own guns in New York unless you go through this painful process. Well, I mean, even John Stossel uh, did an episode where he tried to get a gun license. And this was like a nine-month process from start to finish where he had to put in all of this paperwork. And he had to prove that he felt his life was threatened. Now, this is a man who literally gets death threats. He literally actually gets threats from the community saying, I didn't like that segment because you talked about freedom uh, and then, you know, we hate you, I want you to die. So he literally had these things that he could show as evidence and he was still refused at the end of the day. Now if a public figure who's won 19 Emmy Awards can't and has his life threatened can't get a gun licence, who can? And it's the well-connected people, it's the people who have friends in office and that's really it. Other than that, it's impossible to get a gun in New York. What I was going to say is that, you know, I have a lot of friends. All my, my childhood friends are in New York. Most of them have guns, you know, and you know, they have guns. They just, they would rather deal with an issue of life and death and then deal with the legal ramifications of it later than be dead, you know, and, or be hurt or injured or their family injured. And there are a lot of people in New York like that. I mean, I knew, I had family members who had arsenals in their house, you know, even after, gun, in New York, in the Bronx, even after gun, you know, those dr draconian laws were instituted, they just didn't care, you know, so I'm not saying, I'm not advocating, but I'm just saying, you know, it's, um, if you want to be one of those ones that pushes the line, do it, but um, don't come complaining to me if anything happens. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a tricky world out there. One thing we can be sure of is the government, there's just a lot of overreach into our lives. It is very difficult to have freedom. Uh, perhaps even just deciding to move to a state that offers better protections of freedom. A place like New Hampshire, a place like Wyoming that has great cryptocurrency laws. There are places around America that are great or moving out of America, you know? Um, as someone who's a, an emigrant from Australia into America, I can testify to how difficult it is to move countries um, but it can be done and sometimes it's worth exploring if you're if you're really unhappy with with how things are going yeah I was when I was talking to Vin and Dave yesterday after I spoke um, I you know he t Vin talked about how he really felt a sense of urgency to get the Liberty message out there in the last five years and I made this point I said that all of this work is for naught if another 9-11 happens tomorrow if another 9-11 happens tomorrow as you suggested, I would be making plans to leave because the this this country will not be you will not recognize it. You know, I don't recognize it from 2001 from, you know, pre 9-11 to now. The police state's grown even worse. Can you imagine another 9-11 happening? All of the, you think about all the things that have been implemented since then. So TSA and what happens when you when you fly now, all of the regulations there. Patriot Act, the government surveillance that has been implemented. I mean, it is a really, really uh, 
terrifying state of affairs. And America is actually better than a lot of places out there. You know, it's even like I look at what's happening in in the UK at the moment, and I'm a little bit terrified. Um, but it's not. It's definitely not on a hopeful trend at the moment. So I agree with you. And uh, people just need to be mindful that. You know, I, I think I always had this very naive, childish view um, when I was younger of places being static. You know, you think, oh, this country called Australia that will always be Australia, and you have to realize that things change and countries change and the laws change and the culture changes and sometimes a place can be completely um, irrecognizable so unrecognizable sorry and um, and sometimes you just need to wrap your head around that and realize that maybe your plan of retiring in Colorado you know it might not be viable because the United States may not be recognizable from what we know it well, yeah, I mean, the the amount of laws that are coming down now, even local, I mean, you know, every libertarian should be looking to dismantle power down as, as local as possible. But, you know, even then, those pe- the mind has to be, you can't be with people who aren't like-minded. And I don't care who those people are, if they're from another country, if they're from another culture, as long as they want to be left alone, as long as they want to be left alone, and as long as they want to, um, they want to live free, I'm, I'm fine with it. But um, yeah, we, we just really, at this point, we have to look at this country and make a decision whether it's even as big as it is right now and what it is, and, and as mega as it is, whether it's worth saving, and I don't think it is. I think it needs to be Balkan. I think it needs to be balkanized. I think it needs to be broken up. And um, you know, yeah. like I said, if there's another 9/11, I'm out of here. I'm going to find someplace else to go. And um, even if I have to live in live in a bamboo hut in the jungle, like Lynn Ulbricht over there and her husband build, um, <laughs> it might be it might be a lot better than uh, better than what you're looking at here. Because if another 9/11 happens, there's not only going to be a wall on the on the southern border. There's going to be a wall on the northern border. And if you think, well, just leave, try to leave the United States right now. See how much it costs. Um, and guess what? They're not allowing people to leave. They're telling people no. They're telling people they can't cut ties. So, yeah, it's uh, that wall. It's become cliche now to for people who don't want the wall to make the excuse that oh, it'll keep you know it, it can keep you in as much as it can keep people out. It's not a cliche anymore. We're looking at that one more terrorist attack, and that's that's the way it's going to be because they're going to need. How are they going to pay for all this? They're going to need to keep the cattle on the farm. And you look what happened in um, the Soviet Union. They literally had to build walls to keep people in. It wasn't to keep people out. No one wanted to go there uh, to keep people inside. So things can turn very quickly um, in, a, in a single generation. But I really appreciate your time here. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Uh, if anyone hasn't checked out his podcast, then you absolutely need to. As I said, I'll be putting links below so you can have a look at all of that. For extra material and any links mentioned in this podcast, please visit naomibrockwell.com. If you'd like to watch the video version, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitChute or DTube. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future.